Hey everybody, it's JR from Double FM Sports here, and before we get into this episode, I'm sure you've realized by the title, but it is episode 100, so I, I just want to say a couple few things. First off, I want to say thank you to all of you that have been with us, uh, whether it's from day one or from day 99, thank you to all of our listeners. Um, also, I want to say thank you to everybody that's been gracious enough to allow us to interview them from the high school level through the professional level. It really means a lot to both me and to Ethan. But yeah, I just wanted to give a big shout out to both our listeners and to our interviewees because you are the guys are the ones that make this thing possible. And yeah, enjoy episode 100. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to a very special edition of Double FM Sports. I'm Ethan Pager. And I'm Jared Mizrak. And the reason I say this is special is because this is officially our 100th episode. We've done 100 news episodes. Um interviews and all that combined so yeah 100th episode here just a very standard news podcast for you guys yeah um honestly a little bit crazy to think that we were at 100 ethan i think back when we were starting you read me the statistic that like 90 percent of podcasts don't make it past episode three well here we are in the triple digits uh that's uh, that's something else honestly like i mean i guess this is what i expected from us but it's just cool to see that we've kind of, you know, we put out that much content. I think it's probably split like 50, 60% news, 50 to 40%, you know, interviews. So it's a pretty good split there. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely cool to see that big number 100 next to the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Very, uh, very cool. So as I said, this is a news podcast today. So we're going to cover just pretty much any news that has been going on since the last time we've um, been podcast here. So let's start off where we always start with in the NFL. JR, what do you got? I mean, really not too much. We're really just preparing for the NFL draft. Um, Ethan, we talked about it prior to, but we are going to hopefully be having an NFL mock draft here in the next week or two or so. I mean, the NFL draft is very, very soon and upcoming. Um, so we'll try to get that out. Interesting news that I didn't know about until just right now. Thaddeus Moss, you know, pretty big tight end player for LSU on the national championship team, got dra- got taken by the uh, Washington football team. He was just released yesterday. Interesting. I think that's just a little. Obviously, Thaddeus Moss, the son of Randy Moss, um, one of the greatest wide receivers. Um, so, that very interesting, in- interesting stuff there. Um, I actually have a question to ask you, JR. Yeah. In spirit of the NFL draft coming up, give me your top five quarterbacks to take. Trevor Lawrence, yes. Zach Wilson. Yes. Trey Lance. Kellen Mond, Kyle Trask. Ooh. Notably leaving out two guys that a lot of guys had before them in their mock draft, Mac Jones and Justin Fields. Not high on either of them. Not high on either of them. I think Fields is not – I don't think he's pro-ready, and I think Mac Jones reminds me a little bit, like, of Drew Locke. And, you know, we've seen how Drew Locke's kind of turned out. And granted, he is is throwing to, like, first, second, third-year receivers. And maybe if Mac Jones went somewhere where that's not. But I just see him as a really, you know – a tall kind of semi-athletic quarterback, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm not entirely, I'm not entirely 
too high on them. I mean, I think if you go back months, you would hear how high I was on Kyle Trask. And I feel like Lance, Wilson, and Lawrence, maybe not one, two, three, or, but they're probably all in everybody's top five. Yeah. Well, we've and pretty much. Kelly, Kellen Mond, I mean, he's a phenomenal quarterback out of Texas A&M. I yeah. think I didn't give him enough credit as he deserved last college season, but he, I think he'll be a good quarterback. Yeah, and I was just going to say, um, I mean, you think Trevor Lawrence will go number one, right? Yeah, it's pretty much a lock at this point. I, it's it's kind of like Joe Burrow last year. Exactly. I, I don't even know. I think it's even more solidified than Joe Burrow. I think there was still question about Chase Young or Joe Burrow. Like here, I think yeah. there's no question because it's really quarterback, quarterback, one, two. So I think it's, I think it's a pretty obvious so lock. Think, so I guess and a little semi-mock draft here, you think the Jaguars go Lawrence at one, the Jets go um, Zach Wilson at two? Is that your thing? Or you think the Jets go someone else? I think that's pretty set in stone. I, I would agree. I would agree. Um, anything else NFL-wise? Uh, yeah, one that I'm not too happy about, but it kind of goes off of what you were just talking about. Obviously, the Jets picking up a quarterback in the first round is something that I've been completely against for a while. Uh, Sam Darnold was traded to the Carolina Panthers, which obviously means Teddy Bridgewater won't be there for too much longer. Um, I believe it was like a second to fifth round pick. So, and what do you think that deal? I think, honestly, I think the Panthers did. Yeah, I mean – on like I was just gonna say, I think Sam Darnold's still only twenty three years old. Yeah, no, he's he's younger than Joe Burrow. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he's uh, Sam Darnold. I think has a lot of talent. Obviously, he was I think in the wrong system in the Jets, which a lot of people are. Um, but I think the Panthers with the with the receiver, some of the receiver talent like Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore that they got there. I think Sam Darnold really could maybe take a step up in his career at Carolina. Well, I think a big part of it is not only that, but I think he has weapons all around, not just to throw to. I mean, you got CMC coming back. Hopefully he's healthy for the whole entire year. Um, so that that gets rid of some pressure there. Speaking of pressure, the, the offensive line is, I'll say, a little bit better than the it's, Jets. I mean, it's, it's not, not, it's not, it's not, a it's not great, but it's, it's like you said, it's a little bit better. It's, be, it's better than the Jets. And also yeah. the defense is better than the Jets, too, I'd argue. Well, adding to the defense, free agent AJ Bouye just signed a contract with Carolina. So, and he signed, hey, maybe. he signed like he signed a minimum. I think he signed a minimal deal or something close to that. So they got him for very cheap, and he was, I think, two or three years ago, he was one of the best corners in the league. Yeah, I mean, so that's, that's a huge signing for them. I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, outside of that, really, not too much has happened. Um, yeah, like I said, it's a lot of just, you know, mock drafts, stuff like that, last yeah. second moves. Yeah, and free agency kind of winded down. Um, so, and we obviously, bit, we kept you updated throughout that kind of whole process there about the big signings. And there's really not many, I don't think there's really many big signings or signings any, in that, to be frank, um, anyway. So, obviously, if there's another couple of signings or trades, we'll obviously give you that information as it comes but as of right now apart from the Sam Darnold trade there really was not much, not much else I mean I guess you could say Taylor Gabriel just like an hour or two ago announced that he was retiring from the NFL the former Bears wide receiver 
And then I guess if you want to get nitpicky, Giovanni Bernard, who hasn't done much of anything for the Bengals the last couple of years, he also was just released by the uh, by the Bengals. Great years. Um, yeah. Anything else NFL wise? Honestly, that's pretty much all I had there. Like I said, like you know, like we just said, not much. Just. Yeah. Um, all right, college football. Um, what 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 do you got? Quite literally. Nothing. Yeah. I, mean, I, I the only thing I was gonna say is like um the pro day circuits were kind of happening. Each college was kind of like going through those. That's kind of winding down. Um, but yeah, there hasn't really been many. There hasn't really been, I don't think, really any big time recruits that have committed anywhere in the last since we've last um talked to you guys. So it's really like yeah, comfortable is kind of just very stagnant. Has been very stagnant in the past week. Obviously. As it starts to become summer, things are obviously going to pick up. There's obviously some spring days happening soon, so we'll see how that goes as well. Yeah, I mean, FCS is playing, like, literally today, right now. They've yeah. got some games going on. But, you know, it's it's FCS. There's not much to talk about. I mean, it's what you'd expect with FCS. Yeah, it, it's, it's the run-of-the-mill stuff. Yeah, so – I really don't think there's much for college football, so NBA? Um, I mean, the one thing that that kind of stood out to me, and I know maybe not stood out to you, but Kevin Durant finally returned to the Brooklyn Nets after, what, 23 or some games like that? Yeah. I mean, the Nets, they were good without him. Now they got, in my opinion, one of, if not the best three, level scorers of all time back on their team i mean they're just they're so talented that that whole team i i don't see a world really yeah. Championship. yeah they've got kyrie irving james harden kevin durant blake griffin and lamarcus aldridge uh spencer dinwiddie joe harris do i need to keep going exactly honestly if i've been i've been saying this the past couple of weeks if they don't really like uh, eh, I don't know. I think it won't be a bust year if they don't win the championship. If they, if they don't make it to the championship, it's a bust year for them. They obviously clearly said that this year they're going all out. They're going for the title this year. And if they don't get it, it's going to be more of a disappointment in any way. Yeah. I mean, I do notice when we're talking about, you know, standings and stuff like that. After LeBron James, you know, went down with an injury, the Lakers are now down to a five seed. And it does not show any sign of stopping, really. No, like, they need LeBron back. They, they need something to start going right for them because they're only a game and a half ahead of Portland and only two and a half ahead of Dallas. I mean, if they lose, like, the next five games and LeBron's not back for them, I mean, they could they could find themselves as a seventh seed. Obviously, I think they're still going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I don't see them falling out. But, but uh, the, honestly, it may no. not be like a three or they may not be a top four seed when it's all said and done at the end of the year. They could be, but. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't really know what to think, but partially you have to remember that AD and LeBron are out. So I guess you can't say it's too much. To account. Um, honestly, I think there's like nothing like sports wise. Yeah, I know. We were kind of talking about it earlier, and they're like, just like, yeah, really, like, nothing to like say. In the obviously college basketball, there's a little more, but I guess we'll move on to NHL. 
why not? Anything you got there? I mean, again, there's not insane amount. Um, you know, there's some guys getting contract extensions after signing Thatcher Demko a couple or a week or so ago. The Canucks just extended Tanner Pearson, um, former Pittsburgh Penguin Ethan, but you probably didn't know that. Nope. Uh, I mean, there's – it's not much, honestly. Like, there's no trades or anything. The trade deadline is coming up, but nothing has really sprung yet, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, there is some stories, I think, when you look at the standings, though, that are quite surprising. Um, first off, you got to look at the Central, the Carolina Hurricanes. I mean, they have a game in hand over everybody, and or actually, they have a game in hand over Tampa Bay, and they have two in hand over everybody in the playoff race from their division, and they're already atop by one point. Um, I guess I can't, I, I can't say that I saw that one coming. Um, I'm going to skip over the East because there's like three things that I want to talk about there. Um, and actually, there really isn't much going on in the North or West, but the East. The first thing I want to talk about is how in the world are the Pittsburgh Penguins third in the East? I know we were talking at the beginning of the year how like we thought this could be last year. Maybe the Penguins have a slight chance, um, maybe even make the playoffs. Maybe we said maybe. But yeah, like you said, third in the East now um, when we thought it was probably all said and done this year for them. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's, it's not like it's a like blowout first two and they're third. Like they're two points from the division title. I know they're, they, uh, they honestly, they could get the division title. And honestly, it's even, it's, I mean, there's two games in hand with Carolina, like I was saying, but I mean, they're three points there. I mean, you, you give them four points for two wins you're still looking at what seven points from conference title, regular season title. I never would have guessed that Pittsburgh would be in that situation. No, we, I, yeah, I know we gave, we kind of gave our like predictions at the beginning of the year, I think. And I don't think any of us had Pittsburgh in the top three. Yeah. I don't think we did either. I mean, yeah, no, I, I don't believe we had Pittsburgh in the playoffs at all. I mean, obviously, I'm pretty happy about that, and I'm sure you are as a Pittsburgh Penguins fan, Ethan, but I didn't see it coming. Yeah, no, me, uh, neither did I. The other, the other story that I think is quite shocking in the East is on the other side of Pennsylvania, the Philadelphia Flyers. That's a good freaking team. I mean, they are young, and they are good, and they have – I mean, they have veterans like Voracek and Giroux, but they have young guys like Konechny. They have – I mean, Nolan Patrick's playing and their defense with like Sandheim, Goss, Fair Proverb. I mean, those are those are not bad players. And they're they find themselves what sixth in the East, way outside of the playoff spot. And I guess you couldn't say way outside. They are six points, but I mean, I don't know. I expected Philadelphia to be doing a little bit better and they just I don't know, they're kind of disappointing. But Again, like Pittsburgh, I'm not going to complain because I'm not too big of a fan of the Flyers, but I think everybody already knows that one. Yeah. But, um, I mean, seems like to, seems like a common theme here. We don't have really anything else. Just a quick look at 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess anything in the MLB world, I guess we can just say that since we've been last on, opening day has happened. Um, so the – Ethan, we already talked about opening day. We did? Yes. Okay. So anyway, the season's in full swing here. Um, I mean – there's been so far. There's been one. Have we talked about the COVID thing? Yeah. Okay. Never mind then. Um, yeah. So season's going on. It's early in the season, so we can't really say anything too quite yet. But hopefully, in the next couple of weeks, we'll get a little more clarity on what teams are doing good this year. So, um, Jr. Anything in UFC land? Hold on. Hold on. I want to. I want to look at this. Is there anything here in the – no, there's not really anything here in the outside of, you know, the season keep going. Wow. Okay. So there's just, like, no sports news at all. Here um, UFC? I don't believe so, honestly. Hey, we got nothing today. We apologize. There's just – I guess just nothing really happened. It's – it's we I, I've said it before. Like, like, honestly, April and May – like seasons are going on. There's really not much news apart. Obviously, when the draft comes, we'll have some news there. But really, there's I mean, not much it, news right now. It's right in between like seasons. Like, yeah, it's so and like the free agency's over. It's like in between free agency and the draft for the NFL. So it's like it's this weird period where we don't have much to talk about. So this will probably be a shorter podcast. Oh, but, that's famous last words, Ethan. How many times it, did we say? I know, I know, I know. But nothing in the UFC. Honestly, no. I mean, Kevin Holland and Martin Vittori weighed in, but that's about all I have to say. <laughs> okay. Anything soccer-wise? Uh, um, um, I guess I mean, we, we're, we, we, we why, don't we, why don't we give an update on this, the tables? Yeah, that sounds good. I mean, as of now, I do want to mention we are a little bit, when we post this, it will be off. But, you know, as of Saturday, April 10th, the standings are, you know, they're, they're relatively the same in the Premier League. Um, and season by 14, yeah. Yeah, the top five really haven't changed for a, a good part of the season. Man City, Man United, Leicester, um, West Ham, and Chelsea. I feel like that's kind of been for the last couple of weeks. And then Liverpool has kind of recovered, I guess you can say. Um, in the sixth place, I think they were far down at ninth at one point. But uh, and you had Tottenham and rounding out Liverpool's eighth right now, are they? No, they're they're oh, six. They are six. They are six. They were eighth because they didn't get the yeah. Never mind. Yeah, and then Arsenal's down there at eleventh to round out the big six. Uh, we were talking a little bit about it. Sheffield would need to pull off a miracle to uh, become unrelegated. West Brom could do it, unlikely, but they could do it. Fulham's got a pretty good chance, although they do only have six games left in their season, and they are three points down. So they would need a quite a stumble from form from Newcastle or Brighton. Yeah. Um, Brighton, heading over to the La Liga, um, Atletico Madrid still. Ethan. What? Heading over to the La Liga is – Heading over to the the league. Heading over to the Spanish league, we'll say. Thank you, because La Liga means literally the league. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Um, well, yeah, but you said the the. 
Oh, oh, oh. You said it in two different languages. Okay. So Atletico Madrid, I think there's, there, as of right now, uh, Saturday, April 10th at noon, because there's games oh. going on this afternoon. Um, there's, they're, they're still atop the league by one point. Um, they were, I think they were, they had a bigger margin, like last time we gave the record, but they've, it's been closed. But I will say today at 3 p.m., there is a huge game with Barcelona and Real Madrid, the El Clasico. I think I just said it again. The, 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 yes, the El Clasico, the, the classic. So El Clasico happens at 3 p.m. Real Madrid versus Barcelona, and the stakes are very high in this game. If Barcelona wins, they go atop the league barring Atletico Madrid doesn't win. And if Real wins, they tie Atletico top, and Atletico still is up in goal differential. So this is a huge game. Definitely no, one. Normally it, it normally is, but normally they're battling for one and two. Yeah. Um, so, and then I don't really like, then the rest of really it. Yeah. I, those are the only teams that many people pay attention to, honestly. Yeah. Um, I mean, if, if we want to move on to Serie A, which I think is quite interesting that Inter Milan is almost running away with the league. They're 11 points clear with, I think, like nine games left. I mean, obviously, that's that's territory to bottle the league with a team 11 points back and with nine games. But, you know, they need like three more wins and they should have it close to wrapped up. Yeah, like, and you've been... Oh, good. No, no, that's all. I had just three or four more okay. wins. They should be wrapped up. Juventus is still only third. They're still a point back from AC Milan. So it, that's going to be very – obviously, Juventus looks like they're probably going to still make Champions League. Um, but well, – I mean, I, I don't know about that. I think you, you highlighted the fact that they're a point off of AC Milan, but I think the bigger point is the fact that Atalanta and Napoli are both one and three points off of them. That's and fair. so fair. if Juve loses a game or two and those teams don't lose, I mean, we could be talking Juventus in the Europa League. And that sounds just wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, then I guess it's kind of that Roma, I would say seventh, which may be a little shocking that Roma's maybe not a tad higher. But other than that, really, there's nothing else. Um, moving on to the Bundesliga, where Bayern Munich um, is – um, at 65 points. The most interesting thing about this is Dortmund's 18 points behind them at fifth with 40. Well, I think, again, you're highlighting that. I think the thing that's kind of shocking to me the most is the fact that Dortmund is at 43 points in the Europa League. The next highest team is 53, Eintracht Frankfurt. So they're going to need some work to be done if they want to play Champions League football. Yes, and I would just like to point out um, – Although Todd's not here today, um, FC Schalke has ten points with a minus fifty-four goal differential. So not the best of years for Schalke. Well, Ethan, we knew that. I think they had like three points by midway through the season. Yes, um, but yeah, that's Bundesliga. A little just yeah, and actually RP Leipzig's only five points behind Bayern Munich. So if Bayern Munich has a couple games drop in form and Leipzig wins a couple games, well, Leipzig could. Take the lead. Maybe, maybe. Um, then last big bet, lost the big five leagues in league. How do you say it, Ethan? League on. Uh. Yes, that one. Um, Los Leal, they're still, they're still three points ahead of PSG. I mean, 
PSG is looking a little bit better than they did, I'd say, like a couple months ago when we were talking about them possibly not even making the Europa League. But they're three, they're three ahead. I believe they have six teams left. So obviously there's a chance um, with it just being that little. But the, the big 1-0 win over PSG, probably that, that might be the decider. Very well could be. Um, and then that leads kind of the same. But I did want to go real quick to the Scottish Premiership. I know we love, we love talking about our Scottish Premiership soccer here. Um, Rangers are still 17 points ahead of Celtic, and the Rangers have a game in hand. So it still looks like Rangers are going to run away with the league. Just well, Ethan, to... I'm, I'm, I'm a little surprised that you went to the Scottish Premiership when there is a very much so bigger league that I think we should be talking about, and that is the UEFA Champions League. Okay. What do you mean, okay? Well, they're in the quarterfinals. They had their first leg. Oh, We're yeah. getting down. Yeah, the quarterfinals in the first leg, I'll just I'll, I'll give the scores out. So, Real beat Liverpool 3-1 in the first leg. Man City beat Dortmund 2-1 in the first leg. Chelsea beat um, FC Porto 2-0 in the first leg. And PSG beat Bayern Munich 3-2 in the first leg. Yeah, and, I mean... And the second leg um, will be April 13th and 14th, if you want to watch that. So, yeah, I'll, I'll probably tune in some of those games if we can, if we get them around here. Yeah, I mean, the each one of these games, I feel like, had such an interesting story to them. I mean, Real Madrid and Liverpool was literally, like, the missing center backs classic because Ramos was out, Veron was out, Virgil van Dijk was out, and so was Joe Gomez. I mean, there's their four starting center backs. Yeah. Manchester City and Dortmund had that huge controversy with Jude Bellingham goal. Oh, yeah. Uh, did you ever watch that clip? I, I, I saw the clip. It was uh, Ederson clearly fouled him, but yeah. Well, well no, it, it wasn't that Ederson clearly fouled him. It's that Bellingham didn't even touch him. He touched the ball. Exactly. He didn't even get a foot on Ederson. Uh, Chelsea, there's not too much of a story with that one. I just want to bring up Ben Chilwell's amazing run to goal, former Leicester player. I got to show him love, but it was a pretty nice run. You, yeah. you can't you can't lie. And then PSG and Bayern Munich kind of going with uh, the, the Liverpool-Real Madrid idea of injuries. There was no Serge Nabry. He was out with COVID. Lewandowski's out. Um, I'm pretty sure that PSG had a few players out as well. So, little story to each of those Champions League games. But, you know, when it gets down to this, I feel like that's how it should be. All right. Um, in the spirit of predictions, JR, let's, let's predict how we think the second legs are going to go, and then let's maybe predict the finals and stuff. Okay. So, I'm going to say, I think if – even if Liverpool – I think Liverpool may tie – I think Real Madrid and Liverpool may tie the next game. So, I think Real Madrid will still advance on aggregate. Just go through the whole thing, and I'll give my next. I'll okay, so I think Real Madrid advances. I think City wins again and advances. I think Chelsea wins again, and I'm actually going to say I think Bayern Munich um, wins that second leg and moves on. I got Chelsea. I think that's probably the easiest the four picks for me. Um, I got Real Madrid as well. I think the two goal lead is really going to help them there. Plus, I don't think Van Dyke or Gomez will be back, so yeah. it should be another pretty similar matchup. Bayern Munich, um, 
who was the te- who was technically the away away leg? Um, it okay. It was PSG, so PSG will probably win. Is my guess because Bayern Munich would have to beat them by two. Yeah, and without Lewandowski, I don't see that happening. So I'm going to go with PSG, and then I'm going to actually go with Dortmund here. I think that after what happened, that controversy, I think that'll probably spark them to play a little bit better and although they're not doing too well in the Bundesliga I think they could make the semifinals for the uh, the Champions League all right do you want to go the whole way to the final or do you just want to stick with quarterfinals for now I think we should just stick with quarterfinals simply because they do have that whole drawing thing and so if we say well this team can beat this team and this is going to be our final well they might yeah. end up playing each other next you know two weeks from now yeah um so where do we want to where do you want to go? Oh, I guess we could go to golf. Um, obviously, the, the very uh, yeah, a very important weekend this weekend. The Masters, um, the first two rounds already happened uh, Thursday and Friday, and there's some notable names that missed the cut. Most notably being um, the previous champion from back in November, Dustin Johnson, missed the cut for the Masters this year. And yeah, by the time that people are hearing this, the Masters will be over. So it yeah. is what it is. But um, right now, Justin Rose is currently in the lead as of Saturday, April 10th at yeah. seven under par. But, you know, you, you mentioned Dustin Johnson. But that's not just the only name that got. Yeah. I, I don't know. You said that there were a number of names, but I mean, like Sergio Garcia, uh, no Brooks Kepka, uh, no Rory McElroy. I mean, that's just a few of the names that were, you know, those, those, are, those are guys that you expect to be golfing pretty good i feel like and they're all cut yeah yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of new names there's a lot of names i don't really recognize on i guess the leaderboard other there's obviously a few ones like jordan speed obviously justin rose um bryson dechambeau tony finau bryson um, dechambeau what yeah bryson dechambeau dechambeau not dechambeau sorry um yeah, so that was English. That wasn't even Spanish. That was English. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and obviously, like I said, that will probably be over. But um, I started like one or two today, so probably I'm gonna tune into that. So I guess Jr. Anything else? Golf or any other news, general Before we get into our main topic of the day. I mean, NASCAR had themselves a bye week, so there's nothing there. Naturally. Um, the one the week we don't have news everyone has a bye week <laughs> yeah Ethan I think it is our time it is time so since we last talked I think we covered we didn't we didn't talk about the final four or did we talk about the final four I don't think so I think the final four was the night that we reported okay so we're going to talk about the final four and the championship for college basketball so I'm gonna I'm gonna pull the official scores here real quick, but I will say the first Ethan, Ethan. official what? scores from what website? Uh, I'm not gonna respond to that. Um, really? Come on, man! It's been a hundred episodes and you haven't learned. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is this is correct. So Baylor in the final four, Baylor beat Houston 79, 78 to fifty nine. Ethan, um, it was eighty two to sixty one. No, it wasn't. You're stop. It's I know it's not. You're just trying to get me to mess up with Yahoo Sports again. I know. Yeah. 
it was 78 to 59. Dude, I know the scores. It was 78 to 59. Baylor just really did not seem to have much trouble with Houston here. Baylor kind of just ran away with it from the start. They were up like, like 45 to 20 at halftime. It just never really was a game. How did you know the exact halftime score, but you had to check the full-time score? I don't know. Unless you look down at your phone. Maybe I'm giving you too much credit. And and so that, yeah, so Baylor moved to the championship. And then Gonzaga-UCLA, what a ball game that was. It went to overtime. Johnny Zhang made a game-time layup with like four seconds left. And then Jalen Suggs, it's a shot from uh, 30 feet. I don't know the exact measurement. Probably he was well outside. He had a long three at the buzzer to win it and move Gonzaga to the championship. But what a basketball game that was. Well, I mean, you bring up the overtime period. I want to remind people that the, the game was saved on a four foul, barely outside of the restricted zone charge call that Drew Timmy got. And I think – that, that, that was one heck of a play, and it takes a lot of guts to do something like that because, well, first off, if he gets the block foul, Johnny Juzang's at the free throw line to shoot two free throws and to probably win the game. And Drew Timmy would have been out of the game. Exactly. And if he missed those free throws, which I think Johnny Juzang's at least a 60% free throw shooter, if not more, I, I can't quite remember. Even then, and he misses those two free throws, like you just said. Drew Timmy's out. Well, yeah. He had 20, 25, I want to say. I mean, he really played well. Yeah. Against and well, obviously, even though Gonzaga won, I got to give a lot of credit to UCLA, an 11 seed. I think the second team that second double digit seed to make the final four. Um, so they just, right. they just, they hit their stride at the right time and they, I mean, I know I'm going to bring this up and Jared's not going to be happy, but they were down at 14 at one point at Michigan State in that game. Hey, don't discount us. I'm just saying they were down, and look where they got to. They got to the Final Four. So I just think that it's a pretty amazing story, and obviously Johnny Juzang's a big part of that as well. And Tiger Campbell had a great tournament as well. Uh, I think you're giving Tiger Campbell a little – Okay, fine, fine. You're giving him a little too much credit. Not that he didn't have a good tournament, but when you're comparing to Johnny Juzang, I think Johnny Juzang is one of the best players, probably top three or four players out of this tournament. Yes. So that was on Saturday, April 3rd. Then that Monday, the championship game happened. Gonzaga versus Baylor. The game we all wanted to see back in November, we're getting to see in April. And Baylor dominated, I'd say. I I wanted Gonzaga to win so bad, but after I watched what Baylor did to Houston, I I, I had a feeling Gonzaga would have had Gonzaga would have had to play lights out their best basketball ever on that championship night if they were going to beat that Baylor team after what they did to Houston. I mean, ba- Baylor seemed like they had a, at least a ten point lead pretty much the whole game, um, and obviously given a lot to Jared Butler had a great game. Um, Davian Mitchell, all those guys just played well, and you know, just it 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 just wasn't Gonzaga. Gonzaga didn't play terrible. I mean, they shot twenty, they shot only twenty nine percent from the three point line. So that's obviously not going to help you. Where Baylor shooting forty three and a half percent, but I mean, Gonzaga played good. They just didn't play good enough to beat a team like Baylor. They could have beaten a decent amount of teams, but not enough good enough to play, beat Baylor. So Baylor is your official national champion, their first title ever. Yeah, I mean, 
it was a good Baylor team. And I think it, it's kind of led to a bunch of discussion. Where does Gonzaga go from here? In the last four years, they've lost two national championships. Yeah, it's it's great to make it to a national championship. But when you come home empty-handed, I mean, that's yeah. obviously pretty tough. And I've heard some discussion that maybe it's time for Gonzaga to uh, leave the West Coast Conference. I mean, you've got teams like Washington and Washington State in Power Five conferences. They're, they're from the state of Washington. So it was Gonzaga. I mean, I don't know how that would exactly work in the, uh, you know, like conference tournament wise or just conference standings, adding another team if they would have to switch or, you know, whatever. But, you know, I, I think that Baylor can thank Kansas kind of for this national championship. And Ethan, I think you're probably going, what in the world am I talking about? And I get that sounds a little bit weird, but Baylor had COVID troubles. They came back. Kansas kicked them right in the mouth. And I think that's the one thing that's the one thing that Gonzaga didn't have is they yeah, didn't have that. Gonzaga was, if Gonzaga would have won that game, they would have been an undefeated national championship. Champion. In my opinion, the best team in college basketball ever. But, but that's since they lost. Yeah, but yeah, like you said, I feel like the the reason I would say is there's not really many undefeated national champions is that whenever they get to the championship game or elite eight final four, they're not used to getting hit in the mouth and trying to get back up. They're used to blowing out teams like Gonzaga pretty much. They like, I think they won almost every game apart from the UCLA game in um, West Virginia, actually by 10 points until that Baylor game. So they really did not have much adversity, especially until that UCLA game. And I can, it showed it showed a little during that UCLA game that maybe they weren't the best team college basketball's ever seen. Well, no, I, I agree with that. I I think a lot of people like to make the argument that strength of schedule wise, that's the reason why Gonzaga struggled. I, I don't think that's the reason. I think no, well yes. they, they 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 played they beat Michigan, they beat West Virginia, they beat they beat power, great power five teams. When did they beat Michigan? I swear they beat Michigan. They beat Iowa. Maybe it was Iowa. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, yes, their strength of schedule was not that of, you know, Indiana or Indiana, Illinois or, you know, Michigan or Baylor, you know, those other three number one seeds. But their strength of schedule is not bad at all. No. Um, but I, I do think what really hurt them is the fact that although their strength of schedule isn't bad, they don't play a lot of tough games back to back to back. Which You're is right. what the tournament is. They, they they maybe have one tough game, but then they go play like Pepperdine or whatever, and it's like no shade to Pepperdine. No, no shade to Pepperdine, but Pepperdine ain't making didn't make the tournament this year. So, um, yeah. So Baylor is your national champion, first one ever. It would have been the first one who ever won that game. So, yeah, yeah. I think the well, one thing that I want to bring up is Davian Mitchell. Although he was the, I believe, third best scorer on Butler that, or Butler, why do I keep saying Butler and not, not Baylor? Baylor, um, although he only had not, not only 15 points, but there were two guys ahead of him. I think he did himself wonders in this tournament. I mean, I think he was Baylor's glue. I think he was their best player. This the reason they won tournament. the tournament, yes. And he also, and, like, I, actually, that brings me to a little bit of news. He actually declared for the draft, too. Well, but that's what, that's what I'm getting to. 
as he declared for the draft, but I think he did himself very well with this tournament because what I've seen now is he went from a late first round pick to a late lottery pick. Yeah. And that's, that's a big difference. Yeah. Um, so in the spirit of college basketball, the tournament ending, we thought we'd take a look, go back the past two decades and what? Hold on. I, I, Ethan, I, I, before we get to that, I think you'll be happy that you finally get to see what I've been up to. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, so basically, I'll explain this. So basically, JR's been saying to me the past week or so that he's got a very special project that he's very excited for me to see. I've asked many times what it is. He's refused to tell me until this moment. So I'm, I'm, I'm very excited for this moment. So JR, please wow. give me what you got. Okay, first off, shout out to my statistics teacher, Mr. Morris Hanley, because this project was inspired by him. Okay. Right before spring break, he was talking with us in statistics class, and he wanted us to go, or he like joked, I don't know if he like joked, I don't know if joking is the right word, but he like threw out the idea of looking at the Sweet 16 teams and, you know, looking at their statistics. Okay. Well, that got me thinking. And I kind of did that. And okay. yes, curiosity did kill me because like Ethan said, I worked on this project for about two weeks. It took me about 15 to 20 hours. So uh, I put some effort into this. So at least I, I hope you at least, um, I hope you at least respect this. Okay. But so what I did was I took, I want to say, I mean, there's probably... 20 or so team statistics. Ethan, I will share my screen with you now. I know All people right. that are listening can't hear it, but Ethan. We'll, we'll maybe um, post it on Instagram or something so you can see it. I don't know. We'll find a so way. Ethan, do you see this? I do, in fact, see this. This is my spreadsheet. I took 66 of 68 teams in the tournament. I left out the two, um, I left out the two 16 seeds that did not make it partially because I heard partially because I forgot that Prairie View did not make it. And that was the 16 oh. that I recorded six of the statistics for before realizing that they didn't actually make it to the playing games. Okay. Um, so I just took those team, two teams off. What I did is I recorded every single statistic from quad one, quad two wins, their points per game, assists per game, turnovers per game. I mean, net ranking, oh. strength of schedule rebound margin a point or opponents point per games their defensive efficiency i like i said i mean i want to say if i can do my math right i believe there's 22 different categorical or quantitative shout out mr morrisani you know gotta say this is quantitative data but i mean it is color-coded i took everything now what do, everything. what do the colors mean so, good question. Right here, oh, down okay. the bottom left, I did, I did a little bit of a scoring system because I wanted to see how, how statistically good were these teams and how did they match up against how they did in the tournament. Okay. So, I assigned the top 25%. So, 1 through 16 was green. They got three points. In each statistical category, you scored differently. Then, 26 percent through 50 percent so 17 through 32 then 33 through 48 and then i did do the last 18 teams got no points 
Um, but so I did this and I think there, there were some shocking uh, things. I did both an unweighted and weighted point system. So unweighted obviously was just straight points, but then I did give double points for quad one wins, strength of schedule and defensive efficiency, because I feel like those are kind of three big categories that really stand out when it comes to things. But I just want to point out, you know, I thought Gonzaga and Baylor would be the two teams that were number one and number two. Yep. And Gonzaga did end up number two, as you can see right here, Ethan. Yes. But the number one statistical best team, and I do want to point out that this was done March 17th prior to the tournament. Uh-huh. So none of this tournament statistics were taken into account. The number one best statistical team heading into by my category was Michigan. Hmm, interesting. And they were number one for unweighted and weighted. Yes, they were number one for both, which I thought was a little, I don't know. I, I didn't expect that, I guess. I expected, now Baylor was three. Yeah. And then Illinois seems to be four. Yeah. I think the other one that really surprised me here is we have a tie for 11, San Diego State and BYU, two teams that are non-Power 5 you know, conferences. Statistically, they ranked in the top 15. I mean, I mean, and both won the first round, so that just shows how, like, well, see, that was the thing is I wanted to see how much this the statistics really matter. I think this is one that I find really interesting, and I'll get to it a little bit. Ethan, you remember when we talked about the net rankings and how they were so bad? Yes. And we or we thought they were so bad. Well, Loyola Chicago was number ten in that net ranking. Right now, look at what Loyola Chicago statistically was. Yeah. They were number eleven or tied for number eleven. Yeah. This is the one that shocks me. Oh, where is it? That team right there. Do you know what that team is right there that has an average rating of 9.5? Is it... I don't know, Nova? No, it's St. Bonaventure. Hold on. Wait, hold hold on a sec. What? Hold on. It gets even better. How about this team right here with an average rating of 10.5? Nope. Who is it? It's Colgate. Do you know where Colgate was ranked on the net ranking? 12. Nine. Oh, wow. So maybe these net rankings aren't as far off as we think. Yeah, I mean, I was, I, I guess I was a little surprised to see that, that they were that high because I think me and you both had that gut reaction, immediate reaction of what the heck, what's Colgate doing there? Well, statistically speaking, yeah, if they're going off the statistics, it makes sense. But obviously, yeah. Although this one, I do want to point out, I'm highlighting a team that caused some madness in March. Um, um, Oral Roberts. I, I, yeah, I was about to say is that Oral. I thought I thought those Oral Roberts. Yeah, Oral Roberts, based on my statistical um, analysis, I guess you can say, is the 63rd best statistical team, which is well, that's four away from last. But I just I found it really interesting to see. I mean, you've got a Colgate team who's ten point five, which is pretty much I want to say that that is the tenth best team statistically speaking, because I averaged both their weighted and unweighted rankings. 
who is, you know, 13th, but you go up here, 36.5 West Virginia, West Virginia was not a good statistical team and neither was Oklahoma. Um, or wait, is it Oklahoma? Yeah, no, Oklahoma was not good either. There's 40. Oklahoma was 40th. Um, 30th, Purdue. I mean, that's three top four seeds that are not even in the top, or well, barely two of them are outside of the top 50%, and the other one is right inside. Where, where, where's, your, where's your Michigan State team? Right here we were we were not great um yeah we were right around 55 so we were we were definitely low end but again another team that caused some madness in march 48.5 which i'm assuming is either 48 or 49 that's ucla I yeah. mean, and obviously we just talked about how far they went yeah i mean it, it's just it was really interesting for me to look at this and see well you know, you got teams like Colgate and St. Bonaventure who are inside the top 11 for statistics, but, you know, lost first round. But then you also have teams like uh, UCLA who were final four teams and they were almost number 50. Yeah, I think this goes to show, and I'm making my statistical conclusion here, is that making a perfect bracket is completely impossible. Correct. I think you're 100% right. I... Could it happen if you get extremely, extremely, extremely to the billionth lucky? I mean, I, I you know, I, I came in here and I thought, hey, maybe I'll find an, an algorithm or something like that that I could use next year. Yeah, no, this does not work at all. Like, it's yep. not even close. And I was going to say, this is very sick. This is cool. And honestly, we got to find some way to get this on Instagram or something. Yeah, I'll, I'll make sure that we have something that people can go, you know, look at it and actually see what I'm talking about. All the statistics, like I said, are from March 17th. So that is the day before the, the first yep. four or last four in games. Um, I, I do want to point out, I do have another ranking system that I want to test out. And then I will then average those rankings into um, the overall ranking, maybe just give a more accurate ranking even more so um but yeah it was a really interesting project that i took upon myself and it kind of is eye-opening at how impossible it is to come up with a a perfect bracket because statistics really don't matter as but much as you think they would i was gonna say um i definitely i waited a long time for that and that definitely did not disappoint super well, well done. let me tell you i mean i might not be bringing it up on the show Again, but Ethan, it is forever growing. Like I said, shout out, shout out, Mr. M, great stats teacher. He really, he inspired it. And as I continue to learn from him, I'll continue to uh, update that data. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll, you know, bring it back up. I know obviously with the college basketball season over, it doesn't mean too much anymore. But uh, yeah, it definitely, like I said, it was a very interesting and long project yes. that, I guess it didn't really yield the results that I I wanted. I was really hoping that it would like somehow predict the the upsets, which it didn't. Um, but it did provide a result. All right. Well, good job, Jr. And in the spirit of the college basketball season ending, we thought we'd take a look over the past, um, I guess, eighteen years. So from two thousand two to two thousand twenty-one, that's obviously when we've been alive. So we're not 
taking a look at the 90s or 80s or anything. We're going to take a look at the good, which is good because that that gets rid of the the Duke teams that were good before. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so we're going to look at the top seven plus maybe honorable mention um NCAA tournament games um of all time, not of all time, of the past two decades essentially. So, I I do want to point this out. These are my like favorite, my best games. Yes. Like this isn't like you know. Again, I'm. I know I just did a whole statistical analysis on everything, but um, this is not statistical. This is, this is more about emotion. Yeah, um, Ethan, I know you said you have two honorable mentions. I'll start with my first honorable mention, and then we can just go number by number. Um, yeah. You hate this one, but I think you're probably glad that it didn't make my top seven. Okay. But how can I forget the Michigan State versus Duke game? And I, I do gotta say. I think part of it is the fact that I'm a Michigan State fan and you're a Duke fan, and we literally were, like, anticipating this game as soon as we saw that we were in a bracket together. But, I mean, the game, I, I think we both have to admit, regardless of uh, the, the outcome, it was a pretty good basketball game. I mean, it came down to the wire. My man, Kenny Goins. <laughs> yeah. Out of everyone was Kenny Goins who made the three, too. Yeah, I mean, he got <laughs> it done for us, and – Hey, I'm forever thankful to Kenny Goins because he gave me a one-up on you. Yes. Um, so I've got two honorable mentions, as I, as Jared mentioned. Um, so I'm going to actually start off with the – actually, from I'm actually – I've got two games from this year. One of them is in this honorable mention list. I actually have the Oral Roberts-Ohio State game in an honorable mention list. I think I watched that game, Max Aismas and I think Kevin O'Banner. Yep, yep. Um, both shined against – number two Ohio State when no one really gave Oral Roberts a chance in that game and they wanted an overtime game which was super it was a super exciting game so that's that's honorable mention for me and this is my personal preference so ours are gonna be different so I I, I don't think I've told you this but I have two Duke games on this list the Duke versus Wisconsin game in 2015 made my honorable mentions list just because of how Duke was down and the um, incredible play by Grayson Allen in the second half to kind of get us back in that role and then obviously Tyus Jones making those threes, clutch threes at the end to solidify the national title for Duke. So those are my two honorable mention lists. I think you misspoke. His name's not Grayson Allen. It's the dirtiest player college basketball's ever seen. Here we go. Okay. All right. So we're going to go down the list from seven to one. Um, so, JR, who was your – do you want me to go or you go first? Um, I'll go. So okay. my first game comes from 2017. And it was a game decided by a buzzer beater. Ooh. Any guess to what that game might have been? Is it a Loyola Chicago game? No. Was that or was that was that the year after? I think that was the year after. Okay. Um, twenty seventeen. I don't have anything from twenty seventeen. UNC versus Kentucky. Oh, Luke May He poured up from foul line extended. He, he sunk the shot, but overall, that was a great game. I mean, I'm pretty sure that was, you know, that was probably one of the best Blue Blood games I've ever watched. And as I mentioned prior to, I, I, I haven't watched, I don't think I've watched any of these games in its entirety outside of my honorable mention, but I have watched part of that, and this game does stick with me for a number of reasons, and they all start with Luke May's buzzer beater and just how competitive the game was. Okay. So my seven, I'm actually going a year later in 2018. I'm going to take the Loyola Chicago versus Miami game, the opening round, 
where I don't know, who, I forget who it was, and it's going to anger me, but um, made the buzzer beater. Um, and then I, I like that game so much because that kind of what started the um, famous Loyola Chicago run back in 2018. But that game was like a very good game, and that started it. Number six for me. I'm going to go 2019. Wait, shoot. I might have screwed up that year. Is this 2018? I'll, be, I'll probably be able to tell you based on the game. Well, no, you definitely will, but I can't remember the year. University of Virginia versus the University of Maryland Baltimore College. Uh, 2018, because Virginia made the redemption in 2019. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. I had it wrong, but that I, I knew that. I Part of it is my hatred for Virginia. I'm not a Virginia fan <laughs> at all. Um, in fact, I would consider myself a Virginia hater, so... Welcome to the club. Maybe happy. But, uh, I mean, it's, it's historic. I, I, it'll go down in history forever in college basketball. The first ever 16 seed to be the one seed. And I think that's just, it, it's so cool to be able to say, hey, we were in that era where we got to watch the first ever one seed fall. And actually, I'm going to say that was my game too at number six, surprisingly enough. And I, think, I was going to say the fact of the matter is it wasn't even a close game. No, it was almost. It was a blowout. Um, but yeah, I had also had UNBC Virginia. Obviously, that historical value of being the first 16 seed to be a one seed, and not only by like a buzzer beater or anything, it was by far. Um, okay, so my no, go my ahead, number yeah. five, this one you probably don't remember. This is the one that I was talking about. It's a 2010 game. It's right around the time that I started liking Michigan State. So, yes, it is my Michigan State game of my top seven. We're going to go against Maryland. Ooh, I, I, I vaguely remember this game. Not, not really at all, but. I honestly, I vaguely remember this game. Not really at all. Um, I remember that they played in Michigan State one. That's all I know. Draymond Green was back in the team. Um, yes, I, where, I know. I know who made the buzzer beater, too. Who made the buzzer beater. It's last name, Lucius. Well, yeah, because that's the whole call. Yeah. But yeah, no, that was definitely that's a definitely one of my all-time favorites. I mean, one, it was a it was a buzzer beater for my favorite team. So yeah, that's obviously going to go down as one of my favorite moments. But I don't know. I I have a thing for buzzer beaters. Um, in fact, I think most of mine. One, two, three, four. Yeah, four of my four of my top eight, including my honorable mention, were buzzer beaters. Yeah, I think four or five of mine were two. So my number five game was, I don't know if you remember this, I'm thinking back to 2018, Florida versus Wisconsin. Does that ring a bell to you? You're talking about the Chris Chioza three-point floater? Correct. That game, I think, because Wisconsin made like a game-tying shot with a couple seconds left, and Chioza runs down the way of the court and makes that three-point floater. One of the best games I've ever watched, and that's why it made my list. Chris Chios is actually doing pretty nice for the Nets right now. I didn't even know he was still in the league. I thought he was maybe a G League or like a bench guy, but he was he was playing for the Nets. I think he had like seven points. So, yeah. hey, shout out Chris Chios. Um, All right, number four, JR? Number four. I did have one game from this year's tournament, and I think it's probably the other game that you said is from this tournament. But how can you discount that Gonzaga versus UCLA yep. game? Yep. I mean – one of the best college basketball games that I've watched. Unfortunately, I didn't get to watch it the full way through because I was at work. So I watched the first half at work. I came during the game home during halftime. And then I watched like the 
last couple minutes of regulation and then I watched overtime and I mean neck and neck the whole way they would occasionally spurt out go up by six tie the next team would go up by six they would tie it Johnny Juzang came in he ran right into Drew Timmy I was like and you know Gonzaga that was my team this year like that was the team that I was hoping would win it all so again a little bit of value there but overall so good and then Jalen Suggs man yeah, Jalen Suggs from deep off the glass. He knew it was going in too. And he yeah. jumped up on that table and he was waving to the fans that weren't even there. But that—that's <laughs> yeah. one of my favorite games of all time. Okay, so for num- number four, yeah. Okay, so I'm going back to 2008. I'm going to take the national championship game between Kansas and Memphis with Derrick Rose. That game, even though Kansas won 75 to 68, that was one of the most electrifying games I've ever seen. I watched a rerun of it. Um, Derek Rose, so good in college, so good in college, obviously good in the MVP, youngest to win the MVP. But that was just one of the most electrifying games ever. And that was the last time Kansas has won a championship, too. So very good game. All right. So number three, cars. Molash, if you're in this podcast this long for the last hour, I do apologize, but I'm going to bring back some memories. A 15 seed beating a two seed. That's happened. Hmm. I mean, I, we, we both, me and you have both suffered from it. Yeah, well, so is Carson. Who's Carson like? Georgetown? Yep. Oh, who did they lose to? Oh, no. Norfolk State? Nope. Uh, oh, who was it? Florida Gulf. Coach. Oh, yeah. Yes. I, I mean, what a game. Not only was it electrifying seeing the upset, but that team just played with such intensity. I mean, the dunks, the alley-oops. What? I know. Well, they, like, Florida Gulf Coast is like – they, like – they've always, like – every time they get in the tournament, Florida Gulf Coast always just has a bunch of amazing dunks, I feel like. Well, I mean, and I think it all started back from here. This is where everybody really started to, you know, know the name. And I think they've been in the tournament once or twice since. And it was a good freaking game back in 2013. Sorry, Carson, but that yeah. one was my favorite. Yeah. Um, my number three. Now, I did mention I did have two Duke games. And this is where my other one is. I've got Duke Butler 2010 National Championship game. Um Obviously, Gordon Hayward almost made a half-court buzzer beater that bounced off the backboard on the rim. It was very close. But honestly, down the stretch, good offense and defense by both teams at some points, and it was just a great game to watch. It was one of my first game, college basketball games I've ever watched um, live. So great game to start off with. All right, so I'm going to take you back to 2014. Um, uh-huh. This is, I guess you can consider this a buzzer beater. Um but it, the buzzer beater wasn't to win the game. It was actually to send the game to overtime. Okay. SFA, Stephen F. Austin, Ethan, I know you know them very well. Oh, you know. Wait, before you say this, is this a three-point and one? It is. Ah, yes, I remember this game. Against VCU. Yes. Um, just a, a – what a game. Yes. That's all I have to say. What a game. <laughs> um, um, oh, go ahead. I, I, I actually, I, I guess I was cheering for SFA. I don't have any 
you know, I don't have any ties to them or anything like that, but it was a fun game to cheer for them. And, you know, they ended up pulling it off by two in, uh, in OT, but yeah, what, what a game. Yeah. What an absolute that, that game. point and one was one of the most amazing shots I've ever seen. <laughs> um, my number two, yeah, my number two was the UCLA Gonzaga game. I mean, like JR said, what a game the whole way down the stretch, neck and neck. I mean, so really, it kind of speaks for itself. I talked about three point and ones. Look no further than my man Bradley Beal last night. Yeah. Yeah. All right, JR, number one. Very important here. All right. So I'm going to take you back to the year where Villanova beat UNC in a buzzer beating upset. But, but that is not my game. Oh, my game came from, uh, I believe it was the second round. Any uh-huh. idea what that game is? Second round. Oh. I don't think it was Duke. Does that have anything to do with Duke? No, that okay. did not. I wouldn't know that. Well, if you tell me the game, I'll probably remember, but well, okay. So this this one is this one's my favorite all-time March Madness game because okay. of not only what happened during this game, but what happened during the game prior that sent one of the two teams through. Does the name Northern Iowa ring a bell from that tournament? Ah, uh, yes. Jesperson, I think. Yes. Uh, the shot, knocks down Texas. But who do they play next? They play Texas A&M. And do you know what happens in that game? Yes, yes. I will expl- So it wasn't like Northern Iowa was up by like 9 or 10 with like 40 seconds left or something. And Texas A&M, yep. do they win it or do they send it to overtime? They sent it to double overtime. They sent it to the double. Yeah, but like with now, now that, seconds, that comeback, that comeback was to send it to overtime. The game ended up in double. And the, did, who won that game? Texas A&M. Texas A&M. Yeah. But I remember that. Uh, I remember watching that game. I was like, oh my gosh, Northern Iowa is like the Cinderella team this year. And then with like forty seconds left, they're up by ten. Go ahead. Now this might be the best part. Who was on that Texas A&M team? Caruso. Yep, Alex <laughs> Caruso was part of that Texas A&M team before yeah. everybody. Before I may not know much, but I do know NCAA tournament stuff pretty well. That is my favorite all-time game, simply because of what happened in the game prior and how crazy that game was down to the wire. I'm actually my number one's from 2016. It's actually the UNC um, Villanova championship game. I mean, the three before with Marcus Page making that circus shot to obviously tie the game up. And then Malcolm Jenkins, I think, no. Malcolm Jenkins? You mean the former Eagles current? Yeah, no, 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 no. Um, But Jenkins um, hit that three at the buzzer and honestly one of the best games for me because that meant UNC didn't win a championship. So that was very good for me. Do you remember the name of a Northern Iowa player who hits a buzzer beater in the first round of a game, but you can't remember Chris Jenkins? I thought it was Chris, but I, I don't know. But yeah, that's my. I'm trying to think. Is there any other games I would even like? I'm sure there's games that I'm not thinking of that. I actually, I think one of the one of the best games I've ever watched that I didn't think of until now was like, it might have been like 2017 or 2016. I think it was regular season Big Ten play. Michigan State was playing. Um, 
it was probably 2017 or 2018, actually. 2017, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Michigan State was playing Purdue, and it was a tie game the whole way. Matt Harnes, who is um, – he's now on BYU. He was a transfer there. I think he's a senior. Um, but he was he was killing us the whole game. And Miles Bridges came down the court, and he just – he pulled up from three. And I, I – and the part that made this – not only was it a buzzer-beating win over Purdue – who was, you know, back with Carson Edwards and Vince Edwards and all. Like, they were a good team back then. And they still are, but, you know, they were a different team. Yeah. My family went to dinner, and I wanted to watch this game with full volume. My parents told me not in the restaurant. So I stayed in the car by myself with the doors locked and the lights off. And I just watched the end of that game. And Bridges <laughs> pulled up from three, and he sunk it. And I got out of the car, and I went to go eat my spaghetti. Just just a great memory. Great memory. I guess I'll name one of my favorite regular season games. Um, it was the in 2019, the Duke versus Kentucky opening game. Okay. Brought a tear to my eye because obviously, like, Kentucky was supposed to win that game. And we won by, like, 34. So... So it's your favorite game because you guys won by a lot? Oh, no, well, it, it was one of mine. I guess another one would probably be like, no, you know what? It's the Duke-UNC game um, from 2020 where. Okay, that's fair. That's a fair, that's a fair game. The, the, the multiple buzzer, yeah. So um, I think that we that's all we got for the podcast today, correct? I believe so. Um, so this is yeah. a bit of, I think this is a bit of a, this is only, this is a little over an hour. So I'm a little longer than probably we, I thought it was at the start, especially when we had no news, but. Ethan, I told you famous last words when you yeah. said it's going to be a shorter but, one. Yeah. So as again, this, this was our hundredth episode. So thank you for sticking with us. If you have through, I guess the past year and a couple of months. So, so for double F, so thank you very much for watching and for double FM sports. I'm Ethan Fager. And I'm Jeremy Miserak. And we're signing off.